Praise the Lord. Okay, let's, uh, you're not going to want to be late for this one. So remind you, I want to remind you, you can get the conference on DVD, CD, and USB. Uh, you can pre-order it by going to the uh, product, product table out uh, in the concourse. And I don't know about you, but this is one that's worthy of being shared, huh? All right. Praise the Lord. Well, ladies and gentlemen, our next speaker is United States Representative Lauren Boebert. Congresswoman Boebert represents the 3rd Congressional District of Colorado. She is the co-chairwoman of the Congressional Western Caucus, an ex-officio steering member on the Republican Study Committee, and an active member of the House Freedom Caucus. Uh, she is speaking to us today in her official capacity, and uh, I know that we are in for a real treat, and uh, we are just honored and blessed to have her with us today. So I'd like to invite up now Congresswoman Lauren Boebert. and devoted. When God talks about faithfulness, he's talking about multiplication. He's saying, I am going to take what is in your life and I am going to multiply it because I am a God of increase, not a God of division, not a God of decrease or diminish. He is going to do more in your life than you could ever ask, hope, dream, or imagine. He has that plan for you. He wants to do that. Everywhere you look at God's will for your life, he says, I wanna do it. He says, I'm able and I'm willing. So allow him to multiply the gifts that he has put on the inside of you. Allow him to multiply your capacity, expand your sphere of influence so you can reach more people who need to hear about the love of God, the compassion of God, what Jesus was sent to do, that he came and purchased their life with his own. You were bought with a price. Oh, y'all, I'm excited. This is much better than DC, let me tell you. We are not one piece of legislation away from fixing this country. We need God back at the center of our country. We need revival in our communities. We need revival in the hearts of our children. We need revival in the hearts of our neighbors. But how will they know if someone isn't sent? How will they know if you don't speak up and tell them the good news that it's been paid for it's been bought it's time for us to position ourselves you have been given great authority the authority of all authorities it has been given to you and if you just sit on that you are squandering what jesus purchased it's time for us, the church, and that doesn't mean the organization, that doesn't mean the building, that means the people, you are the church. 
It's time for us to position ourselves and rise up and take our place in Christ and influence this nation as we were called to do. Now, I want you to look to your neighbor and say, by the authority of God's word, you are not my problem. with offense and unforgiveness, maybe try that out. You know, and maybe you're sitting by yourself and you had to say to yourself, by the authority of God's word, you are not my problem. I have to tell myself that sometimes. You are not my problem, girlfriend. <laughs> we, we got bigger things to deal with. But anyway, that's how I do Congress. <laughs> You have all been given such a great place, such a great opportunity to be here at this time, to be created for this moment. God has put gifts and callings on the inside of you to reach people only you can reach, to share with people only you can share with. He has put a grace on your life to be able to open up specific hearts that will come into your life. If you are doing what you think is God's will for your life in your own strength, I have news for you. It's probably not God's will because anything that he is calling us to requires that we are in partnership with him. It requires us to tap into that grace, his ability, his empowerment. We cannot do it in our own strength. Most of us here have a church where we have a pastor, a pastor that has been given to us by God. We have been positioned and placed in the body as he so desires. We've been planted in these churches and our pastors have a role to equip us, the equipping of the saints. Allow them to feed into you, to sow into you so that you can be equipped to do the work of ministry. And that doesn't mean you're carrying around a big Bible and standing behind a pulpit. Ministry is simply service. It's serving people helping your neighbors. This work of ministry is to edify the body. The body needs to be edified right now and know what we are here for. There are a lot of people who are only focused on politics and they're not realizing how to put Jesus in the mix of that how to incorporate what they know, what they learn on Sunday. They compartmentalize God in their life and say, well, I go to church on Sunday and I vote this way on Tuesday. And then there, there's the other side. There's other folks who go to church and say, no, I'm too spiritual. I don't get involved in politics. I don't want anything to do with government. Well, Another news flash, government wants everything to do with you. <laughs> and they will do everything to get in your business. Now, this is something that I have seen in Congress. I see the vision that our founding fathers had for our country and I see how far we've come from that. Our founding fathers were men of faith. And I know that because every action they took, you can point it back to the Bible. You can see the actions that they took. And I'm sure you've heard Mr. David Barton speak here at the conference. And he says, they spoke the word so frequently to one another, they didn't have to tell each other they were referencing the Bible. But when they went to Europe, 
They had to say, okay, well, see how I just told you that your pastor is to equip you saints for the work of ministry to edify the body? Well, that's in Ephesians chapter four. That's what the apostle Paul told us. But our founding fathers were so fluent in the word. The word was alive on the inside of them. And the Bible says, what's in the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever a man believes, so is he. They were fluent in the word of God. And our founding fathers, they understood that faith has corresponding action that they had a responsibility to do something. They had a responsibility to say something. They realized if they just sat back and said nothing, knowing the word, knowing, having a relationship with God, that they would lose by default. They would continue to live in t under tyranny and oppression of a faraway king. But they knew the word, and they knew that God had something far better for them. For where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Or more literally, where the spirit is Lord, there is freedom. There is liberty. Are you allowing the spirit to be Lord in every area of your life? Is there bondage in some areas of your life? If so, allow the spirit to be Lord. Our founding fathers had a vision of freedom. And so they acted on the word. They declared a thing so it would be established. They declared their independence and they didn't stop there. Knowing the power of their words, that your words have creative power that God framed the worlds with his words and you so frame your world with your words, they knew there was more to it. Just as in Malachi says, in Habakkuk says, write the vision out, make it plain for all to see. They wanted people to grab a hold of that vision and help them carry it out, help them run with that vision so they can see it in its fulfillment. And then they celebrated. They celebrated their victory before they had ever begun the battle. How would you act if the thing you were believing for was true today? How would you respond if that one person who is lost that you want to see saved was saved today? How would you respond if God was doing the thing that you had been begging him to do in secret? You wouldn't sit there on your hands and shrug your shoulders and say, oh, it's just another day. You would celebrate. Our founding fathers declared independence. They wrote out the vision, they made it plain and they celebrated it. They said, we are calling those things that be not as though they were. In Mark chapter 11, in verse 23 says, for assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, it shall be done for him. Our founding fathers did not doubt in their heart that they wouldn't be free. They believed that they received it and they celebrated with singing and laughter and dancing and fireworks and guns. All right, all right, y'all are the 2A crowd. I get it now. <laughs> but after that celebration, there was still work to do. We are co-laborers with Christ. Sure, we have an inheritance, we're co-heirs, but we're co-laborers. We get to participate in this kingdom work with God. So they went out and fought the battle until it was one, until it was true for everyone. 
And then they created our government, such a remarkable government. And they wanted this government to be so strong that it will be able to defend its people from tyranny and oppression from around the globe. But they wanted a government so limited that it could never impose that same tyranny and oppression on its own people. You know, I haven't got to my notes yet. In the book of Acts, it's not in my notes, praise the Lord. We'll find it though. In the book of Acts, they were realizing the power of the name Jesus, that people were being healed, delivered, set free, made whole, prospering in the name of Jesus. They were seeing these miracles in the name of Jesus. And the Pharisees said, whoa, 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 we can't have this now. They see that it was a notable miracle. They saw that it was evident and they couldn't deny it. That's what Acts 4.15 says. Yeah, we can't deny that you're doing some things here in this name. Verse 17, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no one in this name. Hmm. So they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them and said, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. Verse 21, so when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them. Y'all ready? Because of the people. Mm. Finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. Cancel culture is nothing new. Tyranny is nothing new. Government overreaching is nothing new. The people having the power is nothing new. The reason we had so much tyranny in the United States of America is because the church complied. We need to reignite that boldness. That boldness that the apostles had when they were threatened not to use the name of Jesus. They said, we will obey God, not you. Verse 29, they spoke up, they spoke out to God and said, now Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants boldness that they may speak your word. Your words matter right now. What you say matters. There's a lot that the enemy is doing right now. There's a lot of evil that is going on right now. And I would much rather have five words in agreement with God's word and the truth than a hundred exalting what the enemy is doing in our nation. They knew with speaking, with boldness, came signs, came wonders, came miracles, that they would stretch forth not just their own hand, but it says your hand with a capital Y. Because the spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwelled on the inside of them. So they said, we may as well be stretching forth God's hand right now that we would stretch forth your hand and heal and signs and wonders would be done in the name of your holy servant. And when they prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were assembled together and there was a mighty work taking place. Do you think it was a coincidence 
that the church was not able to assemble in the United States of America. That was an attack on our faith, on our country, on our values, an attack that we must never allow to happen again. We were told, do not forsake the assembling of the brethren, especially as you see the end draw near. We know that we are in the last of the last days, but it's not a time to complain about it. It's not a time to get upset about it. This is a time to know that you were called to be a part of these last days. You get to have a role in ushering in the second coming of Jesus. How cool is that? Now, we have a lot of cliche plaques. If you go to Hobby Lobby, you'll probably see, I don't know, 17, 32 different plaques that say, you're made for such a time as this. But I want you to get that on the inside of you. And I wanna put this in a little more context for you. This isn't part of my notes either. Praise the Lord, thank you, Holy Spirit. <laughs> he's, he's funny like that. See, that's why I don't even write speeches because then he changes what I was gonna say anyway. And so. <laughs> in Esther chapter four, verse 14, Mordecai had, had gone to Esther <clears throat> and he said to her, for if you remain completely silent in this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. He's saying here, God is sovereign. He will have his way. God's will will be done, but are you going to have a part in it? Are you going to arrive on judgment day and God says, well done, good and faithful servant. I had given you talents. I had put gifts on the inside of you and you multiplied those talents, those gifts because you were faithful or will you have not had a part in the fulfillment of his will. Verse 16, we'll go down a little farther and it says, and so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. There are some things that are made into law that are not right. There are some ordinances or suggestions or mandates that they want to tell you is a law that is not right. And when is it that we are going to have the boldness that the apostles had and say, what is it should I obey God? or you, you judge. I don't care what happens to me. I am standing up for what is right. I will go to the king. I will put my kids in, in, in school. I will go to church. I will open my small business. I will be able to provide for my family. I won't wear your stinking face diaper. You can take your syringe and stick it. <laughs> and if I perish, I perish, but I will not live on my knees. I would rather die standing, standing for what I know is right, standing for others, protecting freedom and liberty for others. God knew that you were gonna be here in this time. He foreknew it and he predestined you. He predestined you when he called you. 
And in Romans, it says who he calls, he justifies. And who he justifies, he glorifies. So don't ever let anyone tell you that you are not qualified to participate in what God is doing. God has a reputation of dealing with some real losers. And he loves turning them into victors. That's all about our identity with him. He wants to show you who you really are. In the world's eyes, you may look like a loser. You may look like you're not qualified or justified and certainly not glorified. You may look like just a mom of four boys and a small restaurant owner with a GED. But your identity is connected to your destiny. And that's another attack right now. An attack on our people, an attack on our children. There is an identity crisis that has been created. God wants you to know who you are. The enemy perverts everything that God has done. Everything that God intends for you and your life and your children and your children's children. The enemy will take that and twist it however he can. I think when we have a large portion of the population who can't tell us what a woman is, there's a crisis. I was in Michigan And a man told me that his son got in trouble because he stepped on a furry's tail in school. And I said, well, I don't think, what's a furry? I've never seen one. We got bears, we got wolves, praise the Lord, thanks Boulder. We got eagles. What's a furry? And he said, well, it's someone who thinks they're a cat or a dog. I said, dear Lord, that sounds like an identity crisis. I think your son needs to go to school and identify as a trapper. (laughs) It's no surprise that this deception is so easy though. We all struggle in this body. We all struggle in this tent, this mortal body that is perishing. We will have a glorified body later, but it's uncomfortable right now because we are not of this world. We are of another kingdom and this is temporary. So you can see how easy that deception can be placed on people when they're told this is why you feel out of place and they don't know the word, they don't know their creator and have a relationship with the creator. It's easy to say, right, maybe I am supposed to be a mermaid. I don't know, God calls some of us to be fishers of men. so. I just came up with that. Praise the Lord. (laughs) But God has told us repeatedly how to identify. Call those things that be not as though they were. Be holy as I am holy. There's a lot of days I wake up and I don't feel very holy, but God called me to be holy as he is holy. Jesus said to do greater works than him. He said that through him, all things are possible. And I need to identify with what he is calling me to do and with what he said is possible. And he said that if I believe, all things are possible to him who believes. 
So I need to identify in Christ. A lot of people walk around with a sin consciousness. I could never be enough. God could never love me. I've messed up so badly. God doesn't want you to have a sin consciousness. In fact, it talks about the blood cleansing your conscience so you can be righteousness conscious. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The old man has passed away. Behold, all things have become new. You are a new creation. Do you see how the enemy has come in and taken God's word and twisted it and perverted it to deceive our children, to lie to them, to get them to live lesser than what he has called them to, to settle for a lie, to trade the truth for a lie. Now, before you can identify in him, he asks you to identify him. Jesus asked the disciples, he said, I know who all these other folks say that I am, but who do you say that I am? You personally have to come to that conclusion with Jesus and tell him who you think he is. Jesus, you are the son of God. Jesus, you are Lord. You have mastered death, hell, and the grave. You are my Lord, my savior, King Jesus, the King of glory. <clears throat> I'm pretending to read my notes. There's nothing there that matches this. <laughs> When you identify who Jesus is, who he is in your life, that's when he comes and starts telling you exactly who you are and what you are created to do. And he will begin to tell you things about yourself that there is no evidence it even exists. Look at Gideon. An angel came to him. He said, what are you doing with me? I'm the least of the least. I'm the least tribe of all the tribes. I'm in the least family in the tribe. I'm of the least of the least in the family of the tribe of the tribes. I'm a loser. Why are you coming to me? I'm a loser, baby. And the angel said, Gideon, you are a mighty man of valor. There was no evidence that he was a mighty man of valor, but God was revealing to him what he was created to do. Sometimes I see these folks rock climbing in Rifle Mountain Park, mountains, everybody goes out there and climbs and Probably you'll never do it, but I admire these folks. If you ever watch them, they have muscles in places I do not have places. <laughs> God will re begin to reveal things about you that you didn't even know there was a spot for. You didn't even know that was a possibility in your life. Declare who he is. And he says, he is the I am. I am the I am, the great I am. Why does he say that? I am is continuous. He doesn't say I was, I'm going to be. I am. Whatever situation you are facing right now in your life, whatever circumstance, he is there and he says, I am am willing, I am able, I am here for you. This is continuous language. And this is the kind of God that we serve. And that's why I know there is hope 
for our nation. Are we supposed to talk about politics? Is that what we're supposed to do? Oh yeah, back to DC. There is so much hope for our nation because the answers to God's promises are always yes and so be it. Not no, not maybe later, not, not right now. Yes and so be it. There are great and mighty promises in the word of God for you and me today. And he has given you everything that pertains to life and godliness. There is nothing that you are lacking. Everything that you have need of has been provided for. Thank you, I needed time to think about what I was gonna say next. Actually, I wanna go back to Mark eleven twenty three, 23, because I think God has more for us here. Now we understand the power of our words and how we have a part, a role to play with God in the direction of our nation, that we can speak life into our nation. We can speak life into our elections. We could speak life into the crisis that has taken place. We could speak life into the identity politics that are taking place, the identity crisis that are destroying our family. But he has some important things to say about our heart when we're speaking and how we're positioning ourselves and I hope you hear this with an open mind and an open heart and really evaluate yourself because this is something that I have to come back to on a regular basis and say, God, did I get that one right? Am I doing this right? And some days I say, nope, nope. I don't even have to ask you. I know I messed this one up. Mark eleven twenty three. We talked about this, moving the mountain. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things that he says, he shall have whatever he says. Verse 24, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Position your heart to receive the things that you are speaking, the things that you are declaring, the things that you are praying for. You go back to Daniel and the angel took him 21 days to reach Daniel to provide the message. But he said, the moment you set your heart to understand, the answer was sent. I was sent the moment your supplications went up to God. I had some battles along the way. The Prince of Persia got in the way, had a tussle with him, but I made it because you stayed faithful and diligent. Believe when you, when you pray that you receive and you will have them. But it goes farther than that. Verse 25, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone Forgive him that your father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Anything against anyone, that's pretty dang broad. But if you do not forgive, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. There's a time when we have to evaluate ourselves, our own hearts. God, do I have aught in my heart? Who do I need to be praying for? We can hold people accountable. The Bible talks about that. The Bible talks about Christians not bringing other Christians to court and you settle it in your own house. There's a time for accountability, but to harbor unforgiveness, anything against anyone, this is hindering your prayers. This is hindering what God wants to do in your life. And I need you to have a heart of flesh. I need stony hearts to be removed. I need the spirit of God to be able to flow in and through you like a conduit because I need a move of God 
We need a move of God. Our nation needs a move of God and you have to be there to participate in it. Our children need you. I'm gonna go to Romans 1 in the Message Bible. Talk about identity crises. There's nothing new under the sun. God knew what our world would look like in this time. We're gonna start just a little after verse 18. But the basic reality of God is plain, plain enough. Open your eyes and there it is. By taking a long and thoughtful look at what God has created, people have always been able to see with their eyes as such can't see eternal power. For instance, and the mystery of his divine being. So nobody has a good excuse. What happened was this, people knew God perfectly well, but they didn't treat him like God. Refusing to worship him, they trivialized themselves into silliness and confusion so that there was neither sense nor direction left in their lives. They pretended to know it all, but were illiterate regarding life. Our children need you to know the word of God. Our children need you to have a pure conscience, to have a righteousness conscious, to be able to speak life. We are seeing a product from people who are praying and voting like they pray. We live in a post-row nation. That is the result of your faithfulness, your multiplication, because there are people who pretend to know it all, but are illiterate regarding life. It goes on to say, they traded the glory of God who holds the whole world in his hands for cheap figurines you could buy at any roadside stand. Hmm. So God said in effect, if that's what you want, that's what you get. It wasn't long before they were living in a pig pen, smeared with filth, filthy inside and out. And all of this because they traded the true God for a fake God. They worshiped the God they made instead of the God who made them. The God we bless, the God who blesses us, oh yes. Worse followed, refusing to know God, they soon didn't know how to be human either. Furries. <laughs> women didn't know how to be women. Men didn't know how to be men. Sexually confused, they abused and defiled one another. Women with women, men with men. All lust, no love. And then they paid for it. Oh, how they paid for it. Emptied of God and love. Godless and loveless wretches. Since they didn't bother to acknowledge God, God quit bothering them and let them run loose. And then all hell broke loose. Rampant, evil, grabbing and grasping, vicious, backstabbing. They made life hell on earth with their envy, wanton killing. I don't know what a wanton killing is. I'm gonna have to look that one up. But it sounds interesting, and I don't think I want to be a part of it. <laughs> you know, I just learned what duly noted means, like for real, what it means, not what we just accept. I went to type it to someone who's pretty reputable, side note. I went to type duly noted to someone because I wanted them to know I fully understand this. I got it, double time. And I, I had a check in my spirit, said, maybe you should look this one up, Miss GED. I said... <laughs> I said, sure. So I looked it up and it says, heard and ignored. <laughs> See, you got a genius living on the inside of you. It would be a shame for you to do all the thinking and talking yourself. <laughs> you got to listen to him every now and then. You know how many times I've told someone duly noted? They're probably like, what is her problem? Like, that was rude. Okay, wonton killers, okay. 
bickering and cheating. Look at them. Mean-spirited, venomous, fork-tongued, God-bashers, bullies, swaggerers, insufferable windbags. It's like a Looney Tune. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. Does that sound familiar? They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. If Joe Biden would have went to his fake White House set and took a nap, ate his applesauce on time, and didn't leave anything alone, he left it all alone, we would be just fine. But no, they are inventing new ways of wrecking lives, self-inflicted crisis after crisis, inflation and gas prices, energy crisis and invasion at our southern border, baby formula shortages, and for the record, men, please stop trying to chest feed or figure it out so we can get this baby formula shortage under control. <laughs> if they could figure that out, we might be all right. Or just men, stop getting pregnant. Gosh. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. There is a feminine product shortage because they're all in the men's bathrooms. All we gotta do is go in there and get them. Praise the Lord. CNN's gonna fact check this. Actually, you can't just go in and get them. So, okay. They keep inventing new ways of wrecking lives. I work with these people. I watch them inventing the new ways of wrecking your lives. Everybody is clamoring about inflation. Well, let's spend another $700 billion. That'll work. No, they're inventing new ways of wrecking your life. That's why it matters for you to get involved. They ditch their parents when they get in the way. Stupid, slimy, cruel, cold-blooded. And it's not as if they don't know better. They aren't ignorant regarding these things. They know exactly what they're doing. They know perfectly well they're spitting in God's face and they don't care. Worse, they hand out prizes to those who do the worst things best. This is why I need you positioned. This is why the church, the people of the body of Christ need to rise up and take their God-given authority and use it. Speak out, stand up, do not remain silent. You lose by default. It is no surprise that this is happening. Isaiah 60 tells us, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You are to live by faith, walk by faith, from faith to faith, from glory to glory. You are supposed to be experiencing a new level of glory continuously. Not just, oh man, I was in a church service five years ago and oh, the glory fell. No, from glory to glory, that glory has risen upon you and it's not diminished. But don't be surprised because God says, behold, the darkness shall cover the earth and deep darkness the people. That darkness is ignorance and deception. There are some who don't know the word of God. They don't know what's been purchased for them, what they're called to. And then there are those who know perfectly well what they're doing. They've been deceived. They know the word. They know what's right. They know the difference. They know what a boy is and what a girl is, but they've been deceived. Darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. 
but the Lord will rise over you and his glory will be seen upon you. The Gentiles shall come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. This isn't a surprise to God that America looks the way it does, but he's ready for us to do our part. He's ready for the Gentiles to come to your light, not your pastor's life, not the minister on TV's life, to your light. He's ready for kings to come to the brightness of your rising. That's a promise of God that he will put you before great and mighty men. I've seen that in my own life sitting and having dinner with the president of the United States of America, saying, God, who am I? Who am I to be positioned in front of a man of authority like this? But he has put us in the greatest nation where we have the American dream, where we are blessed to live out our beliefs, our faith, That is what we are protecting. That is what we are preserving. Amen. Don't let my boys live in a socialist nation. Stand up and do your part. I will fight for you every step of the way. I will not back down. I will not be silenced. There is too much at stake to lose. God is on our side. The blood has been applied. We are going straight into victory. You are all more than conquerors through God, through Christ who strengthens you every step of the way. God bless you all and thank you so much. Thank you, Pastor Womack. Thank you. Thank you. Well, Congresswoman, if you, um, if you ever do uh, decide not to be in politics, you know you've got a successful ministry in front of you. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, um, so uh, that is it for our afternoon sessions. Let me just share with you guys, though, that uh, the doors will open. We're, we've had a little bit of scheduling change, so make a note of this. Um, the doors will open at 6 o'clock, not 5.30, because we're running a little bit behind now, but we'll catch up. But, no, but the doors won't open until 6 o'clock. Uh, but right now, on the concourse, we have a book signing. At, uh, by uh, Eric Metaxas and Janet Porter. So you want to go out there and get one of their books, get it signed, that'd be awesome. The auditorium doors are going to be closed and locked for cleaning and for new AVL setup and things like that. So make sure you take all of your belongings with you. Uh, you can't leave them in here. If you do, they'll be delivered to Lost and Found where you can pick them up later. Be sure to visit the booths on the concourse uh, and in the banquet hall. And tonight's lineup uh, beginning at 7 o'clock is worship. How many of you enjoyed worship so far? Praise God. We're going to have worship tonight. And then Pastor Mark Cowart, Congressman Doug Lamborn. Uh, we're going to have a special musical presentation on the Star Spangled Banner that you will not want to miss. And then uh, my favorite, Bishop E.W. Jackson is going to be tonight. So be sure to come back tonight, guys. We'll see you.